Blog Talk Radio. you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like, Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Opinion Show. And today we are talking about the greatest matches of all time. Another three of them. Are you there, Juan Silva? Yes, sir. Good evening, sir. Good evening, classic wrestling fans. As we, as we talk about three of the greatest matches of all time from three different gener- from three different federations. From Christmas night, 1983, Mid-South. In the New Orleans Lakefront Arena, Magnum T.A. and Mr. Wrestling 2 against the Mid-South Tag Team Champions for the Mid-South Tag Team title, Paxo Butch Reed and Jim Nianzo Nightheart. Then we go to New Japan, August 10th, 1991, the semifinals of the G1 Climax Tournament. Gigi Muto, also known as the Greek Muta, versus Big Van Vader. And then the final match, a match that I attended. December 27th, 1991, WCW in the Meadowlands, East Rutherford, New Jersey, for the WCW World Light Heavyweight title, Jushin Thunder Liger versus Flying Brian Pillman. Yeah, man, I thought that smudge in that shitty footage was you. <laughs> no, I was further <laughs> up. I wasn't that close. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the, these are the three of the shittiest footage you've ever had me watch, but some of the best matches nonetheless. I... I was at first I was like, man, what the fuck is this? And then I just started watching the match, and I forgot all about how crappy the footage was. These these are some sensational matches. I mean, unbelievable. Some of the greatest workers of all time. You see Magnum T.A. in his prime, Hacksaw Butch Reed in his prime, Jim Neanzel Nightheart working better than he ever did in the WWF. Oh, my God. And, and the legendary Mr. Wrestling, too, doing a phenomenal job as well. Yeah, who is Mr. Wrestling 2? What is uh what is he? What's he's his name? He's still alive. He's an old man, Johnny Johnny Walker, who's still holding on. His wife's dead, but he's still old, 80 something years old, still hanging on, Mr. Wrestling 2. So Mr. Wrestling 1 is who? Tim Woods. 
Mr. Wrestling was Tim Woods. Tim Woods was a great NCAA college wrestler who put the mask on and was a legend in the Atlanta area. And Mr. Wrestling 2 was Johnny Walker, who was a career journeyman, who once he put the mask on, became one of the most popular wrestlers in the history of Georgia Championship Wrestling. Wow, that's great. So that Mr. There was never a Mr. Without the mask, he was a a balding, middle-aged man with a flabby flabby chest. He put the mask on, all of a sudden he looks like he's muscular, and he added charisma to, to, to his dull look with that mask, and he became a super superstar. Yeah, he was a big baby face. You could tell by, even though we this is this footage is in silence because there's no sound, but it's still a good a good um, match. Now the copy I have is the actual arena footage, which is crisp, crispy clear. This was taken off the mid south um the mid south TV. And as you can see, it's all glittery, no sound. It's just horrible. So you're saying this exists somewhere in the Mid-South collection? It's the WWF owns the actual match, the live match. I have a copy of it. I, re- I got a copy of it years ago through my, my, my boy Goodwill. Shout out to Goodwill. Uh, Will Helmick, who has a lot of the old Mid-South raw footage of um, in his collection. So this hasn't made it to the network yet, I guess. No, it hasn't made it to the network, but the WWE bought uh, these um, these tapes from the Watts family, from Watts' wife and son, about four years ago. But this looks like a videotape. Yeah, it's it's a it, it, well, what you're watching, what you're watching is the Mid South TV show, a videotape that somebody uploaded on YouTube. There's an actual arena footage that I have that the WWE bought oh, from okay. the Watts family. Yeah, I have a copy of that. Okay, so you got a better view of this match, but still, I could see it, you know, and it was uh, it was pretty cool. What I liked beforehand was they showed uh, um, they showed. I think it was was that Jim Ross. Yes, Jim okay. Ross, a very young Jim Ross, one of uh, the first year that he was announcing in Mid South. Yeah, you got Magnum TA and Mister Wrestling like beating the shit out of a sack of potatoes, giving knees to it. And uh, while while uh, Jim Ross and the other guy this held was, it, this was a great, this was a great buildup. Yeah, finally, um, Mr. Wrestling breaks the bag and the potatoes fall out, and then we get to the match here. One of the one of the great angles in professional wrestling history that has been time proven throughout the history of professional wrestling. And you don't do it anymore because wrestling is garbage today. But back when wrestling was wrestling, the teacher student angle was phenomenal. Magnum T.A. was a student. Mr. Wrestling 2 was a teacher. I'll talk about the aftermath of what occurred later on after we talk about this sensational match. Right. So here they're firmly um, uh, fighting against the um, the evil Butch Reed and Jim Neidhart. Uh, Jim Neidhart, who's, a, like you said, he's phenomenal here, where you wouldn't recognize him almost because... Uh, how yeah, because in the WWF, he was basically... he. Uh, Got the hot tag from Bret Hart while Bret Hart did all the work. Yeah. But in the Mid-South in Florida, Jim Neanderthal Neidhart was a workhorse. A- and agile for his size, too. So. Well, Bill Watts loved the football, the ex-football players turned professional wrestlers because he was an ex-football player. Our bookers and owners of territories always based the main guys on people like themselves. He loved Butch Reed, guys like Butch Reed, Dr. Def Steve Williams, Jim Neanderthal Neidhart, they were 
Ernie Ladd. They were former pro football players. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He turned those guys into wrestlers because that's the type of guy he was, and he got the most out of these guys. These guys never worked the same other than Steve Williams after they left Mid-South. Right. Yeah, I guess they didn't. So let's talk about how this match uh, starts to unfold here. You got... In there, Butch Reed, Magnum TA. I mean, this is my footage. I don't know if it's the same as yours, but they that's where it starts off. They're they're in there. Um Mr. Wrestling's first kicking his ass. I mean I mean, um Butch Reed is first kicking Magnum TA's ass, but then Magnum TA comes back and starts kicking his fucking ass at one point. Yep. Um and then um then you have Mr. Wrestling come in. They're sort of um hot tag they're they're fast tagging back and forth, beating the shit out of um Butch Reed, then you have Neidhart, um, he's got Magnum TA on the ropes, he's kneeing the fuck out of him here, this is where you see Neidhart, man, just, he's like, <laughs> just beating the shit out of um, Magnum and here. This is, this is where you have the babyface in peril sequence, where they're beating the shit out of Magnum TA, and Mr. Wrestling 2 can't get in. Yeah, then you got, they're kick. I mean, he's kicking his ass with elbows, um, he's, um, <clears throat> He he throws him into the ropes, but Magnum comes back with some shoulder tackles. But then he's just thrown into the cage head first, double teamed by. Oh, and they throw him in the cage like four or five times. Yeah. And he busts the Omesh offense. This is the W, the old WWF Calgary Steel Cage. Yeah, it's a, I, it was a, it was kind of interesting because it looked like they. Um, I remember not seeing that cage until, like, Saturday Night's main event or some shit. Right, right, right. But this is the first. Well, it was held. It used to be used in Calgary. Calgary was the first federation or territory to use that type of fence, steel cage. And this was the first time I ever saw it used in Mid-South before it would be the steel mesh. Well, it's fucked up, too. This cage was, like, a little bit outside the ring. So, like, when they threw him in the second time. Sort of like like the Thunderdome cage in WCW. Yeah, when they threw him in the second time, he just fell to the floor. Mm. So he's just like, I mean, he, that looked like it hurt, man. And then well, uh, it, it gave the opportunity to go under the apron and dig. <laughs> oh, is that what he did? Yeah, okay. He goes under the apron, so when he comes back out, he's busted open. Right. So he finally, finally, he um, he gets over, gets the hot tag. Mister Wrestling's going wild as he's recovering. Um, he's. Um, He's he's kicking both their ass for a while until Reed finally gets the upper hand. Um, and now Mr. Wrestling Two's baby face in peril. Yeah, um, he he gets uh, swung into Reed, but then um, and Reed and it looks like he's getting the upper hand, but then Reed gets on the top rope and gives a shoulder oh, tackle. What, he went he went halfway across the ring with that shoulder tackle. That, yeah, from the top rope halfway, right onto. Uh, so Butch Reed was one of the best workers on the planet. He was phenomenal. His timing was just incredible. That's what it was. It was just like, because it, it was the, it was perfectly timed for when Mr. Wrestling turned around and he was getting, you know, he was just driving At, right into Between 1982 and 1986, you probably never saw a better black African-American worker in the history of wrestling than Hacksaw Butch Reed. He was sensational in every, ter- every, ter- every territory he entered. Um, Florida, Georgia, Mid South. He was sensational in all three of those territories. Yeah, not so much in the in the WWF. But oh, by the uh, time he got WWF, he was already a drug addicted, steroid bloated uh, motherfucker. He was done. Right, right. Anyway, so he gets um, he he Reed is is throwing some knee drops on Mister Wrestling too. Slams um, 
drops his fist on him. Um, he um, now this is now when he has Mr. Wrestling two. There was a couple of times he could have covered Mr. Wrestling two, and he picked him up after the count of two. Yeah, there's a double team with Neidhart. Uh, Neidhart um, gets him into a fireman's carry into a kind of backdrop. Then oh, the uh, one Jeff dropped, the Samo- and he oh. could have pinned him. He picked him up, and that's when Reed starts screaming, "What are you doing?" Yeah, what um, Mr. Wrestling needs a tag bad. Finally, Magnum, you know, gets the hot tag. He's coming in. He's um, he's he's drop kicking Reed. He's body checking fucking um, Nightheart. Nightheart a, a belly to belly suplex to win the match. Yeah, belly belly to fucking Nightheart. Pin one two three. Very exciting match. Very fast pace. And, and the aftermath of this match is. Reed and Nightheart get into an argument because Reed was upset that Nightheart picked up Mr. Wrestling too when he should have covered him, and they start a brief feud. Um, but Nightheart doesn't last long in the territory before he go before he leaves, and this continues the building of the teacher student angle with Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling too. For the next three months, they're the they're the Mid South Tag Team Champions until Mr. Wrestling two turns on Magnum TA and it does huge business. So it's like San Martino's Abisco. Exactly. A time-proven angle. The student-teacher angle. You had it with Dory Funk Jr. and David Von Erich in Florida. Bruno and Zabisco in the WWF. You had it here with Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2. It's an angle that always works. Always works. As you see, you build, you build, and then your teacher stabs you in the back because he's jealous. Because the young man is more popular than the old man. Yeah, well, they I think they sort of did it with The Miz and uh, Daniel Bryan. <laughs> it was like Miz wasn't really a credible teacher, I'll tell you that, though. Yeah, yeah he, he taught Daniel Bryan right. I know, that's what was so ridiculous about it. So, But in any case, the it was a um, it, it is a time-honored thing. To be thing. honest with you, if they really wanted to do it today, if they really wanted it, they should have Ric Flair teach somebody. You know, uh, 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 they would, um, was it at one time where uh, Ric Flair and AJ Styles were together and AJ right. was trying to stick with the TNA where he would make it AJ the new nature boy? Yeah. Well, why don't you relive, relive that in the WWF, have WWE, have Flair be AJ Styles' mentor or something, and then, boom, down the line, he gets upset and they start feuding. Ric Flair's done, man. I don't think he can do shit that anymore. He doesn't have to wrestle. He could have his goons come after him. Oh, I see what you mean. But still, I think it, it helps if the guy can wrestle still, because, like, you know, like Bruno. And, like, uh, like Bruno, like wrestling, too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So so, let, so let's get into this next match here. We've got Mood, um, KG Mudo. Is that what his name is here? The Great Muda, a.k.a. KG Mudo, versus Leon White, Big Van Vader. Yeah, and what is it about Mudo when he puts on the face paint he seems like a smaller wrestler, like a like a cruiserweight. I know, when he takes the face paint off, he's like this this, this cut, uh, jacked up oh, Japanese wrestler. He's fucking John Cena, <laughs> right? I mean, he's you like know, a jet. When he's got when he's got the face paint on, he's Jushin Liger. When he takes it off, he's John Cena. <laughs> it's fucking weird. He looks like, you know, he looks pretty you big. Yeah, it's like a different guy. It's really weird. And he wrestles different, too. I mean, he's not as as high yes, point. Yes, and, and greatly booked and give Kijimuto and the booking of the, uh, and I think it was Ricky Choshu who was booking at the time, they came up with the idea of having the two faces of Muto. 
where Kiji Muto was the baby face with, with, without the makeup who the fans cheered for, and, and he was, you know, clean cut. Great Muto was this evil guy that would do anything. And yeah, he'd blow that mist in your face. <laughs> he it's... didn't use the mist as Muto. So it was like, even though the fans knew it was the same guy, he was like a schizophrenia. He, 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 was, he, had, two, two, he, was, he had two sides. Yeah, it was alter ego, man. Yeah, it's alter ego, and which was great because it did major business throughout the 1990s. Kiji Muto, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Him and Tanahashi and Kawada, my three favorite Japanese wrestlers of all time. I love Great Muto, Kiji Muto. I could watch his matches all day because he's a he was a phenomenal fucking worker. Yeah, so if he had done the, if he had wrestled this match as uh, Great Muda, he would have been. It would have been a different type of match. It yeah. would have been a bloody beatdown. This was a great big man. I mean, Vader shows in this match how a big man could work against a guy much smaller than him. I mean, he pumped. It was just tremendous. Yeah, well, it was like a big man versus a medium-sized man, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and he and he was booked perfectly, and he and it was perfect. It, this is a perfect match. So Vader comes into this match carrying a big dragon head. Um, that his, remember that was his um head that would come out with smoke. That he, his mask yeah. that he used to wear to the ring. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's face to face here with Mudo. Uh, Vader fucking pushes him away, then turns his back on Mudo as a sign of as a sign of disrespect. There they they do the announcements, and they start to tie up. There's build some tension, circling each other. They do a little tie up. And uh, it's just um, Vader just keeps throwing those blows at him. Um, they, he, then they come back and they're gonna tease playing mercy, you know, like the. <laughs> but then Vader just fucking decks him. I mean, seriously, and then gives him a vicious, vicious clothesline. It almost looks like the shit is over just right there. Big slam from Vader. Um, he goes for the uh, clothesline again, but then he, it's ducked under. He's checked several times and drop kicked to the outside by Mudo. Uh, then you get Vader. He lets Vader back in. Vader grabs him by the arm and just does it like a slingshot clothesline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that clothesline is just killing all night, by hey, the way. What I love about Vader is that even though he's stiff, he lets you get him back stiff in return. Vader is the greatest super heavyweight in the history of wrestling because he sells for his guys. He he's not like fucking Bruiser Brody who just stands there and puts, oh I'm big you can't hurt me. Vader bumps for the little guy. I love it. Yeah, well Vader Vader keeps uh, Mudo right on the mat and um, starts punching him in the head viciously a million times. So that looks pretty fucking devastating. Um, finally, we get some body checks, and that, um, oh yeah, he body checks Mudo into the uh, outside area. Uh, then v- uh, Vader throws uh, Mudo into the pole head first. Then he throws him back in the ring. But then as Vader's coming back to the ring, he's kicked uh, by Mudo, and then yeah, cross- he does that, that like that dragon type kick. Yeah, right. yeah. Then he does a cross body onto the floor. Um, that, no, that's a plancha. He does the plancha. Okay, whatever you call it. <laughs> and then Vader throws um, him into the rail. Um, Mudo gets, and then he's hit by. Um, or no, actually, Vader's thrown no. into the rail. Vader's thrown into the railing by Mudo, and then Mudo gives him the springboard uh, elbow smack. Yeah, that flying elbow thing is fucking nails him. Um, then we get Mudo. Um, 
back in the ring, Muto does a snap mare and then an elbow. Um, he stays on top of Vader, uh, not letting him up, and then Vader comes back with some vicious punches, uh, and then another Vader clothesline giant. Vader uh, gets a kind of submission on where he basically puts Muto's face in his armpit. Uh, <laughs> I, I think anybody would um, submit to that shit. <laughs> Then you got two big elbows off the rope by Mudo, um, off the rope, you know, just coming off the ropes. But um, it just kind of staggers him. Uh, then he gets a big drop kick on Vader, and a back body drop um, on Vader. Not a, is it a back body drop? What what is that um, move where he kind of just no? Well, is that the part where he does a sunset flip and then Vader just drops his big ass? No, no, no. He he gets him in. Oh, that's right. He gets him in a belly to back. Or yeah, belly to back, back to back. No, no, no. no. That was uh, I think a dragon suplex. He gets him in some kind of suplex. Vader. It gets up yeah. for the suplex. Then he goes to the top and drop kicks him to the chin. Man, I saw that was like that was, that was devastating. Yeah. 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 Then he gets a moonsault uh, onto Vader. Gets a near fall. That's the, this is the first near fall of the match. A uh, crowd is just going crazy here. Yeah, because they have not rested once. This has been nonstop action since the beginning. Yeah. And that moonsault, people are like, it's a match over already, and Vader kicks out at two. Yeah, that was just, that was nuts. He and does what I it- loved about it, Mudo did it so lightning fast. I mean, he got, boom, boom, boom. He did that moonsault. He, ran, he went right to the top rope, hit the moonsault less than five seconds. Right, right. So he goes, uh, as the crowd's going nuts, he hits a, does that cartwheel thing. Uh, but it, it, he. Oh, Vader lands a spectacular belly to back suplex off that springboard, catches him and does us. Oh, that's <laughs> no, it's it's like a full. He he gets him into a full Nelson and then does like a yeah, power bomb. Yeah, uh, and then is, is that the part also where he does the, where he does a, 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 a where, he, where he does the the, the Vader splash and Muda kicks out at two. Well, first. Uh, he gets the uh, sunset flit attempt, but then um, he, we get the um, Vader sitting on him yeah, um, yeah. after um, Mudo does the uh, sunset flit attempt. Then he um, he sits on him, and then he does a big splash, uh, and then, yes, uh, Mudo kicks out of that. Big scorner, corner uh, splash by Vader, avalanche, basically, mm. like, uh, a la King Kong Bundy. Um, and then he gets him with a power bomb, and uh, we think that that's it. But he kicks out. Uh, Vader frustrated, just punches him to the head. Um, lots of booze from the crowd. Backslide by Mudo onto Vader, and then a small package try. Almost gets a pin there, but then um, the, the uh, Vader comes back. He he's he's. Uh, Mudo's coming off the top rope. Vader catches him, tries to slam him down, but then is rolled but through. Mudo reverses it into a small package for the win. Yeah, he, he rolls through on that thing, and he gets the quick pin, and that's it. So great victory for him. And um, But, you know, this this is the kind of thing where it's like you can you can beat the guy, but he didn't take anything away from Vader. You know, Vader. No, 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 Vader re- retained his heat because... It's a fluke win by Mudo. It's a fluke win. Yeah. So this this match was truly great. Um, the, I don't know if you have any better footage than the one I saw, but I the, wish. The, the, I have the same footage that's on YouTube. So I, yeah. uh, this, this is a uh, handheld camera that got around all over the world, and so 
you and I both have like third or fourth generation copies of this shit, so that's as good as it's going to get. That's too bad, both man. Just both of these guys, Wrestling Observer, Hall of Famers, two of the greatest of all time. You can make an argument that these are two of the ten greatest workers of all time. Are they? Are they? Um, do they have other matches that are in better footage together? This this could be the only. You know what? This might be the only singles match they've had in their careers because they didn't stay long in New Japan and um. At this time, Vader was teaming with Bam Bam Bigelow a lot, and they were, uh, the, you know, the Bam Bams. They were the tag team champions, and Muto might have faced them as a tag team with his tag team partner, but I don't think there's too many if if this might be the only singles match they've had against each other. Because oh. if you go on YouTube with Daily Motion and type in Muto versus Vader, this is the only match you're going to find. Have we, have we reviewed um, a Bam Bam versus Vader match? No, we haven't done that yet. We will definitely do that later on because there are a couple of matches during this time period where they called it the Battle of the Bam Bams. Those that that those are two of the greatest big men ever. And were, so and they were a great tag team in New Japan. And there was there's a match they have versus the Steiners that we definitely have to look on down the line. Okay, so let's talk about the next match here. What do you, what, what's the um, circumstances here? December 27th, 1991, a house show at the Meadowlands uh, in front of 5,000 people. I remember this night because I took my brother, and the WCW was doing so bad at the gate that they offered, they, in, in conjunction with 7-Eleven, tickets in the mezzanine for $7 and uh the the, the 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 lower level, eleven dollars, seven eleven. <laughs> Amazing, and the, and so this is uh, what year? Uh, December twenty seventh, nineteen ninety one. Ninety one. So they this is like they had lost Flair, right? It's like. Yeah, this is this is uh six months, five months after Flair had been fired. Yeah, so that's uh, no good for them. But this match, man, it's just like what a. What a gem! I mean, it's too bad there's not greater. These two working together, they work together perfectly. Um, and this is the second time we cover a match of, the, of theirs on the greatest matches performance. We did uh, the greatest wrestling matches of all time. We did their Super Bowl match from February 28, 1992, which would be two months later. That was a, one of the best matches of '92. Right. So this thing is uh, unfolding here on a um, handheld. Uh, and uh, it's it's pretty grainy, but once again, if you really look at this match, it's pretty pretty crazy and outstanding. And these guys, they're able to tell a story. This just shows you what talent they have because there there's no announcing. There's just a couple of uh, you know background hey, look, talking. This was easily the best match of that night. I mean, we we my brother and I loved this match. It went back and forth. Not a single rest hole, and the, fa- the fans ate this shit up. Yeah, so we get this great sequence where, um, um, what's his name, um, Brian Pillman shows his uh, his awesome working ability when he gets the better of him with, like, a, a series of, um, you know, drop kicks and, and elbows and whatnot. And then he, fi- he finally gets him into a... Uh, <clears throat> He gets him, you know, into an arm, a great arm drag. He ends this big sequence with an arm drag. Then you have him getting out. He's on the outside of the ring, and you have um, Mudo coming in, drop kicking him through the ropes, you know, so he can't get back in. Um, and and so so you know, we're just 
he he's this. I mean, the thing about this match is like it's hard for me to just like go move by move because no, it's can't it's, go move for move because this is just one spectacular move after another. And it's just not a bunch of high spots. Like Logan said, it told the story. They went back and forth, back and forth. I mean, some of the and and you know, there's a babyface versus babyface match, but Liger is the, is play subtle heel throughout the match. He plays heel by kicking by three. When, he, when they're outside, he hit, he nails his head yeah, into the... Pillman, Pillman knocks him outside the ring and then holds the ropes for Liger to come in, and Liger kicks his, kicks his leg out and brings him down to the floor. Right. That was a little bit of a... That was definitely a heel move. But then I think um, later on in the match, uh, Pillman gets a chair, hits yes, him with it. Yes, yes, and, and And, yeah, we have Liger, you know, throwing... Um, his head into uh, slamming his head into the table, the announcer table. Yep, yep. Uh, and they're just basically, yeah, it's it's just a really back and forth match where they're just almost like working perfectly. I mean, I, I couldn't, um, I didn't see any mistakes really in this match. I mean, this is just something you got to watch. I, I can't go. I'm not going to try to even. And, and Liger, as we've stated before, and it's no contest, is the single greatest cruiserweight, junior heavyweight, light heavyweight, whatever you want to call it, of all time. Greatest working little man of all time. And he's just spectacular. Yeah, Liger is a is a one of a kind. Now, what is, what is he? Is he actually um, a Japanese guy? He's still guy? wrestling. He is still wrestling. Is he Liger a Japanese is, guy? Yeah, he's Japanese. Liger's the same age as me. He's 48, and he's still wrestling. I mean, he doesn't do the moves he used to do. He might do one one high spot per match, but he's still wrestling, and he's the booker for the New Japan Junior Heavyweight. So whatever goes in the end, he doesn't put himself over. He knows he's past his prime, but he stays wrestling because he's still a huge draw as that legendary Junior Heavyweight. And a year ago, he got to wrestle at the Barclays Center for NXT card uh, the night before SummerSlam. So he got his one WWF appearance, which he always wanted to do. Yeah, so we'll just go through one of the sequences here. Uh, Liger goes up on top for a – he's getting on top of the rope. Then you see that um, Pillman drop kicks him off the top rope onto yes, the floor. Yes, then yes. he drops kick him through the ropes. And this is where uh, he goes a little heel on him. He gets the chair and starts beating on him. So it, it he, he, throw, yeah, he throws him in the guardrail, gets the chair. He doesn't get disqualified. Uh, and then the match proceeds, you know, for several more back and forth sequences until uh, what is the finish on this? I think Liger wins, kind of like fluky. It, it was another small package type uh, maneuver. Right. He um, there's a great there's a great move where Liger goes for that spinning kick and then he misses it and then you have Pillman just getting it. And they're almost like mirror images of each other, these guys, in terms of their ability to execute these moves. I mean, I, I, it's almost like it was like two equals fighting each other, um, and it was just about who was going to uh, to get it. You get a great power bomb by, uh, by um, Liger onto um, Pillman. Uh, doesn't get the pin with it, but, man, what, a, what, what an impact. Um, the, the, the guys who are watching the match, it's funny. Like, they're like, we're just going to leave after this match. <laughs> it's like, it's not going to get any better. It was actually, actually that night, if I don't, if I, uh, 
25 years, but pretty decent card. This was the best match on the card, but that was a decent card. The the WCW used to always give good cards at the Venlands. They just it kept dwindling by numbers. And um, I can't imagine you know, like giving away this great match on a house show, man. It's just like these guys just well, like they, they repeated. They had an even better match on a pay per view two months ago. So I mean, it, it was a tremendous rivalry for its time. And Liger was the was you could say was probably the best work on the planet at this time. Yeah, at one point they're both up in the air and they like drop kick each other they on the both, feet. Yeah, they they both hit air as they drop kick each other. Yeah. Yeah, and so this is like near the end here. You got them both on the mat. Uh, they're being counted out. Um, Liger slowly gets up, and then um, we get he throws. He he gets into a, he gets himself into a sleeper. He runs into the turnbuckle, uh, bouncing Pillman's head onto the turnbuckle. Then he's. He's getting over to he, – he gets him into a uh, suplex. Onto, he puts him back and he tries to get him on that superplex. He gets knocked off. Um, it, he, oh, no, and what happens where he – wait, actually, here it comes. I actually have it queued up here. He, he tries to get him into a uh, superplex. He gets thrown off. Pillman, mm-hmm. Pillman then is on the uh, top rope here. He gets a crossbody, but then it gets rolled through onto it, like yes. you said. Yeah, that's the just final like, sequence. Just like, very similar to the Vader Mudo finish. Right, right. So, so that's it. And uh, you know, this match, like I said, neither guy got hurt by the loss. I mean, if, if either one would have lost, it wouldn't have mattered because they gave such a great match in the beginning. And and these two would, like you said, we we, we reviewed one of the matches. Two months later, they would wrestle at the at Super Brawl and. Pillman would beat uh, Liger in an even better match. So now um, Pillman, what would he do after this? He, I guess he would go to when? When did he? When did he actually go to uh, WCW? Now, he's he's at WCW at this moment. He started getting injuries, and that's when he changed his persona around. No, yeah, but when did he come in? Oh, when did he come? In uh, 1989, he came into WCW. Okay, but he was he just like. With, he wrestled in Calgary. He was trained by the Hart family, another survivor of the Hart uh, dungeon, another guy who came for football. He was a tremendous high school and college football player, but he was small. He was five foot eight, so he wasn't going to make it into the NFL. He was a five foot eight defensive players don't make it. He made the Cincinnati Bengals practice squad, but he knew that he wasn't going to have a career in the NFL. He went to play, I believe, for the Calgary football team and was discovered by the Hart family, and they trained him to become a pro wrestler. And after that, he came to WCW in 1989. But he was, before he even, like, you're saying that he kind of got injured? Um, While at WCW, around 94, 95, he suffered some injuries that had him lose a step, and that that's when he started doing this loose cannon persona because he knew that his career was, 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 was not going to last as long as it should because of his high-flying style. He had to slow it down, so he had to go from flying Brian to the loose cannon. So so did he – what did he get in a car accident or a motorcycle accident or something? Oh, well, when he moved to the WWF, he got into a Humvee accident, and he was never the same after that. Yeah, like he didn't even get to debut, right? He went right before he was to debut. Actually, 
He got hurt while he was in negotiating with both the WWF and WCW. He had signed a contract when he got to that accident. That's crazy. I'm, I'm sure that but if... the WWF was so desperate, they gave him his money anyway. They really wanted him. They didn't want to lose another star to WCW in, in, in a nego- And once Pillman was in that accident, um, Eric Bischoff took Eric Bischoff took the money off the table. I see. There was like some weird. I remember some weird story about him like playing them off each other or. Well, what happened was. He conned Eric Bischoff. He told Eric Bischoff, uh, let's fool the boys into you firing me because I I uh, quit on Kevin Sullivan and called him the booker. So he got an actual contract where he got fired. He actually got a termina- termination letter, and then that's when he started playing them against each other because he was really fired, even though it was an angle. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he ended up getting like a good fucking payday out a of it. A great contract from the WWF because he was a free agent. Awesome. So, um, too bad for you know the tragic end there. Um, how did he get thirty-five? And he was one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. I love Brian Tillman, especially the loose cannon gimmick. He was spectacular on the mic. So he just uh, what he do? Just OD? He OD'd on painkillers and alcohol and didn't wake up. Damn man. Because remember, his his leg was shot. He could he couldn't move anymore. He relied. More and more on painkillers from the moment of the Humvee accident. Yeah, and so it's too bad the last angle he did, although, I mean, it was very memorable, was this gun angle. With... Oh, he had some great memorable, the gun angle. He had the angle with a uh, with uh, Goldust and Terry Runnels. Where he's like, yeah. The child, the baby, that's mine. It's mine. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome, yeah. In many ways, it was kind of like a reprisal of the Ric Flair, uh, Elizabeth type angle, but but no, but much more X-rated. Oh, yes, yeah. They even had up up until when he passed, they had angles where they were laid in bed under the sheets and everything. Look what I'm doing to you, woman, Gold. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. All right, man. Well, um, we'll um, wrap it up here, and uh, we'll be. I guess so. We'll see what we got next time for. I already, I already got it lined up for you, ladies and gentlemen. We're going back to the greatest performances in wrestling history. The single greatest wrestler in the history of the American Wrestling Association. He passed away last year. The great, the legendary Nick Bockwinkle will be the subject of our next wrestling's greatest performances as we look at three of his greatest matches a match versus the Junkyard Dog. A match versus Hulk Hogan, and a match versus Rick Martel. Uh, and these are all in the AWA. No, one was in Mid South. The other two was in the AWA. Very well. Okay, man, that's great, and we will uh, be looking forward to that. The great Nick Bockwinkle, greatest performances, and uh, what what movies do we have on uh, on the horizon? The following yeah. week, we'll be looking at iRobot. The week after next, will the next uh, Logan movie reviews will be. One of Will Smith's best movies, iRobot. Okay, great. All right, man. Thanks for listening, everybody. And um, check us out. We are um, on iTunes, so uh, give us a review. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you next week, big man. Enjoy your week coming up. Peace. You too.
When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Whoa, we're starting already. Step to the left, no to the right. Oh, now back. How are they lunging like that? Turn around. How did I let Jen convince me to come here? Wait, now do what? How are they doing that? You know what? I'm just going to pretend I know what I'm doing in this class and have fun. Fearless is being the only newbie in class. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits.